Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thanks for joining us for worship this morning. God bless you all during our time together. I know you were blessed to lift your voices in praise, to pray together. And now we're going to read scripture in just a moment. So I'd ask you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, the Old Testament, chapter 6. We'll read beginning at verse 1 in just a moment. As I come toward the end of my pastorate of 32 years at First Baptist Belton, there are some things that God's laid upon my heart to say. And I began that series last week by asking the question, how much does Jesus love you? And uh, never forget how much he loves us. His greatest demonstration of his love for us was the cross. And so today we're going to talk about the greatness of God. Don't forget the greatness of God, church. Never forget the greatness of our God. So we're going to read Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. This is one of those passages where I want to invite you to stand. Uh, you, you may be watching from home or some other place where there are folks around, but stand up for, for this passage to read God's Word. This is a special passage of Scripture. So in Isaiah chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. You can be seated wherever you are. There's some facts about God that I just want us to remember as we plunge into this passage of Scripture this morning and think about the greatness of God. The first fact is this, you cannot know God apart from his revelation of himself, his making himself known to you and to me. Second thing that I want you to remember about God is this, no human language can adequately describe God. The authors of Scripture led by the Holy Spirit do the best they can in human language to describe what they are seeing or what they are hearing, but we understand no human language can adequately describe God. The third thing that I want us to remember is the Bible assumes God. It doesn't waste time trying to prove the obvious. In the beginning, God is the way that the Scripture starts. 
And the fourth thing that I want us to remember is that there are very few real atheists. Oh, I know there may be some, and that number, unfortunately, seems to be growing. But there are some who claim that they are atheists, but in reality, they really aren't. The Bible disposes with atheists in one sentence. It's found in the 53rd Psalm and the first verse. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I want us to remember some questions as we think about God this morning. What kind of God is he? Is he personal or impersonal? He's very personal. Is he good or is he like man as described in the mythologies of Rome and Greece? Is he involved or detached? Is he caring or indifferent? You want the answer to those questions? See Jesus, God in the flesh. Is he merciful or wrathful? Does he love you? The answer to that, as we found last week, is in the cross of Jesus Christ. Can I know him? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes for your exploration. See the Bible. Perhaps the greater problem in regard to atheism is not intellectual atheism, but practical atheism. That is, those who say they believe there is a God, but live as if he he doesn't exist. I want us to remember now, as we think about this text, five things. And the first is this. God is great. Acknowledge him now and forever. God is great. Acknowledge him now and forever. The picture of God is found in the very first verse. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, sitting on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The picture of everything around him is found in verse 2. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And everything that is heard around God is found in the third verse. They were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, says in heaven we will do two things. We will worship him and we will serve him. Now, there may be other things that we will do, but the Bible tells us specifically that there are two things we will do in heaven, worship him and serve him. And we get a picture of that in these verses. If he is truly great, and he is, then what do we do now? Well, we acknowledge him now and forever. We see his greatness. We see his greatness in at least three places. We see his greatness in Scripture. He is creator. He is Lord of the universe. He is sustainer. He is redeemer. It's found in Jesus Christ. All of that in Scripture reveals God to us. The second place that we see his greatness is in creation. 
the beauty and the majesty of all that is around us in a very orderly universe. Think for a moment with me about the moon and the sun. The moon is approximately 240,000 miles from planet Earth. And the sun is about 93 million miles from Earth. And scientists have concluded that if either of these astronomical bodies, either the moon or or the sun, were 100 miles closer or farther away from Earth, life on this planet would not be possible. Likewise, the Earth spins at about 1,000 miles per hour while orbiting the sun at about 60,700 miles per hour. Just a two-mile-per-hour difference would prevent life on earth. The amazing handiwork of God is not only perfect, but it is perfectly balanced. We truly live in an amazing, as part of an amazing creation. I read the other day that in Brazil... In the rainforest in Brazil, in a simple 2.5-acre area of Brazil's rainforest, there are 425 different kinds of trees in just two and a half acres. And in one small corner of Peru's Manu National Park, there are over 1,300 different species of butterflies. Isn't that amazing? And God created each one of those trees. God created each one of those butterflies. And so we are reminded about the awesomeness of God's creation. And we are reminded by Paul in Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what he has made so that people are without excuse. In my lifetime, I've had the privilege of being in 32 of the 50 states. Now, some of you have been in all 50, and others of you maybe not quite as many as I have. I've had the privilege of being in 13 different countries on four different continents. For some of you, that's a low number. You've been in a lot more than that. For others, maybe not quite as many. But in every state and in every country on every continent, I have discovered the unique beauty of God's creation in each and every place as he reveals himself to us in his creation. And so we see God revealing himself to us in Scripture and in creation. And when we think about the the human body... We are utterly amazed at God's creative power. Two examples of of God's creativity in 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 our human our human body is our intelligence and, and the intricacies of the human body. In fact, let me give you some examples. Did you know this? Infants are born with approximately 300 bones. But as they grow, some of those bones fuse together. By the time they reach adulthood, they only have 206 bones. 
Wow. Here's something else. Every second, your body produces 25 million new cells. That means in 15 seconds, you will have produced more cells than there are people in the United States. Here's another one. There is anywhere between 60,000 and 100,000 miles of blood vessels in the human body. If they were taken out and laid end to end, they would be long enough to travel around the world more than three times. Here's another one. While humans are not the biggest and fastest or strongest of God's creation, we are the best at something. And what we are best at is long-distance running. Would you have ever thought of that? Our long legs, our upright posture, and our ability to shed heat via sweat are all factors that make us good runners. In fact, we know that generations ago, man would hunt his prey by chasing it for long periods of time until the animals literally died from exhaustion, a technique known as persistence hunting. Did you know that about 60% of your body is made up of water? And did you know that pound for pound, your bones are stronger than steel? A block of bone the size of a matchbox can support up to 18,000 pounds of weight. Well, I just share all that to help us to focus our attention on the majesty of God as he reveals himself to us in Scripture and in creation. And thirdly, he reveals himself to us through the Holy Spirit as he speaks to our hearts. And as he speaks to our hearts, we know God is real, that he is personal, and that we can know him personally through his Son, Jesus Christ. So our decision is that God is great and we acknowledge him now and forever. There's a second thing about God from this text that I want us to remember, and it's this. God is all-powerful. Trust him without reservation. God is all-powerful. Trust him without reservation. Verse 4 of Isaiah 6 says, At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. The very shaking of the thresholds of heaven. We understand from Scripture that God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Listen to how the prophet Jeremiah describes God in verse 17 of chapter 32. Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And then later in the book of the prophet Isaiah, in the 57th chapter, in the 15th verse, it says, For this is what the high and exalted one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. That means he is always present and we cannot escape from him. In the 139th Psalm, in verses 7 and 8, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? 
Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. And God is omniscient. That is, he knows everything. Back to that 139th Psalm in the first two verses. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. There are no surprises with God. He knows all about us inside and out, every detail of our lives and where we are in moments of joy and where we are in moments of sorrow. He knows all about us. He is eternal without beginning or ending. He is unlimited. He is unchangeable. For Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations says, with him there is no shadow of turning. And so God is all-powerful. Trust him without reservation. And then the third thing that I want us to see about God from this Isaiah chapter 6 text is this. God is glorious. Worship him with reverence and joy. God is glorious. Worship him with reverence and joy. John Piper says the term God is glorious means God's holiness has gone public. I like the way he says that. Worship is going to dominate all of heaven. And so let's start now to worship in reverence, in humility, never with a flippant or casual attitude, and to worship in joy, that is, with exuberance, expressing the feelings of our heart for God. When we see what Isaiah saw, we will have no problem with reverence. We will be in awe of the almighty God on his throne. So let's begin to practice here. And then when we see what Isaiah saw and we understand that we are there and able to see it and able to experience it because of Jesus' death on the cross for our sin and because of his glorious resurrection, we will have no problem with joy. It will consume us. So let's begin to practice here. Worship God with reverence and in joy. The fourth thing that I want us to notice from this text is this. God is holy. Confess to him constantly. God is holy. Confess to him constantly. The words that Isaiah hears, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. We sang those very words a few moments ago. In the presence of the holiness of God, Isaiah becomes immediately aware of his sin. It says in verse 5, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. There is, upon seeing God, an immediate confession and repentance and the receiving of forgiveness on the part of Isaiah. So we, in the presence of holy God, 
known as the Holy Spirit in us, know our sin, and we are convicted, and therefore we confess and we repent constantly, which means at the moment of awareness of our sin, we confess and repent. I point you back again to the 57th chapter of this great prophecy, to that 15th verse where Isaiah says, For this is what the high and exalted one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God says, I live in the high and holy place, but I also live with you who are contrite in heart. And so we are, and we confess our sins constantly. This sense of confession could be illustrated perhaps in our thinking about a mirror, perhaps in our our bathroom or somewhere else in the house. When you stand a distance from the mirror, you may look and say, I think everything looks good. Hair's in place, clothes look good, face looks clean. But then we come closer and closer to the mirror and we we can see ourselves more clearly by the light that is reflected off the mirror. And suddenly we say, oh, oh, no, there's a there's a food spot on, on my clothes. Uh, some of breakfast is still on my cheek. Uh, there's food in, in my teeth and my hair is out of place. And we we realize the blemishes and coming face to face with holy God causes us to see our blemishes, our sin, the wretchedness of our sin. And it causes us to immediately go into confession and repentance that we might receive forgiveness. That's what happens in the presence of holy God. God is holy. Confess to him constantly. Lastly, from this text, I want us to remember this about God. God is filled with grace. Share him globally. Part of our mission statement is sharing Jesus globally. This text is a, is, causes us to understand and desire to be obedient in that great thrust of sharing the gospel all around the world. God is filled with grace. Share him globally. So look back at verse 8, the last verse of this text. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. This is his plan because he loves you and me with an everlasting love. I point us back to the prophet Jeremiah again. In the 31st chapter and the third verse, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. And then in the 29th chapter, the 11th verse, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then I remember the words of Paul in Ephesians, for by grace... For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
And then we remember the words of our Savior just before he ascended back into heaven. We call it the Great Commission. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God is personal. We can have a personal relationship with him through Jesus Christ. In fact, Jeremiah points out that personal nature of God when he writes in the first chapter, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before I knew you in the womb, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I want to close the message today by reading these verses from the 139th Psalm as we conclude our time together thinking about the greatness of God. Hear the word of the Lord. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them all. The greatness of our God. Father, how we thank you for your greatness and your majesty. Because you are holy, we are able to see our sins and we bring them to you today. And we say to you, forgive us, we repent. Please help us that in the days to come, we will walk faithfully with you. Father, someone today needs to know you through your son, Jesus. And I pray right now that you would speak to the heart of that one or those several. Draw them to yourself that this day they might come to know you. 
We adore you. We worship you. Oh, holy God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know where you're watching today. You may be right in Belton, Texas. You may be in Bell County or somewhere else in the state of Texas or someplace else in America or in another country. We're glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. My question to you is the same question I ask each week. Do you know Jesus? If the answer to that question is no or I'm not sure, I want to beg you. I want to plead with you this morning. As you sense the Holy Spirit drawing you and calling you and wooing you, will you call out to Jesus and say to him, Jesus, you are Lord. And today I I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to come into my life. It's my desire to follow you from this day forward. If you would pray a prayer like that this morning, I would ask you to reach out to us so that we might know. Contact information is on the screen. We would love to help you with some beginning steps as you follow Jesus Christ. Let us know of your decision. We'll be so grateful, and may God bless you. Church, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness in prayer and support and stewardship. Keep on keeping on, and may God bless you all. And if you'll allow me now, I want to close our service as we've closed all of our virtual services since March the 15th, and that is by pronouncing upon us all Jude verses 24 and 25. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or if you just want to talk to somebody. We're here to listen. If you would like more information, visit our church website at fbcbelton.org. We're located at 506 North Main in Belton, Texas, and would love to see you soon.